Hey guys, welcome to our first episode of Theo Thoughts. What's going on? I'm Judson Page. And I'm Jordan Peternell. And we are so excited to be doing this. This is the first episode. We just had this idea develop, honestly, just a couple weeks ago yep. and tested mics last week and now we're rolling. Yes, sir. Ready to go. So um, this first episode, we're going to bring to you our different kind of ideas on the creation account biblically. And it's kind of funny. The reason we want to do this um, and start out this way is because this is where the idea got spurred from. We were sitting in our room uh, playing Minecraft together and we just <laughs> struck up a conversation about the age of the earth. And uh, that's when Judson came up with the idea. It's like, hey, man, we just started a podcast and the Lord has provided us an avenue to do so. So that's what we're going to bring to you today. Right. Yeah. And we're super excited. We're able to record here at the Greenville Smart Center. Yes, sir. And Got a whole setup, so let's get into it. All righty. So, with the idea of this, you know, being the first episode, you know, we thought starting at the the beginning would be a good place to start. Mainly the creation account in oh, Genesis. Yeah. So, most people are familiar with the creation account. You know, of course, of God course. created everything, and He saw it was good. Six days, seventh day rest. That's kind of the basic gist of everything mm -hmm. but that's where it all splits right people see the words on the page but they have 500 it has 500 different meanings <laughs> to people which is why it's cool which is why we can talk about yeah it. and <clears throat> like speaking to that i mean there's over forty-four thousand different denominations of christianity and so people understand scripture like almost forty-four thousand different ways not saying every way is correct or every way is wrong but it's different and unique, but specifically what we're going to be talking about is kind of truth story versus a true story. Uh, I personally have more of the view of the creation account as a truth story. So not saying basically the understanding that it may not be factual, true account, but that it contains truth in the story. Like when Jesus would speak in parables, you know, those people didn't actually exist, but Jesus was using a story to communicate truth. And so that is kind of the basis for part of my perspective. Makes sense. Me, um, as for me, I'm a fundamentalist. I have sort of a fundamentalist view, um, which means that I'm a young earth creationist. I see the creation account of the Bible for like what it is. I believe that it happened as it is accounted in the Bible. So I have a sort of like black and white view, and which means there is a proverbial gray area, but I stay away from the gray area because I see the creation account for what it is. And I feel that when you venture into the gray area, I believe you run the risk of seeing the story for what it isn't. Right. And that's that's part of the hard things. And what we're doing here, this is not, you know, our first time reading genesis and then just our first kind of takeaway like oh yeah both of us we've been raised surrounded by christianity and the story for all of our lives and so we've had time to study and learn and research and we've taken the 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 lessons that we've learned from our parents and our pastors and now we've developed into our own personal understanding of our faith and this is where we're both at now so just thought just thought uh, to read a little bit of Genesis 1. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible, which is, besides interlinear, the closest word-for-word -word translation. Oh, yeah. So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
and the earth was a formless and desolate emptiness, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. So that first little string of five verses is the initial start of everything the that we know God. Yeah, to be the foundation of what we believe right so which, which is so funny because it's so there's so many different views of it you know right I, i'm looking at this right now i, I researched and i'm on realfaith.com and i just looked up like what are the various biblical views of the creation mm. account yeah and there's several of them this one this one talks about five different ones and we can go through them a little bit later okay yeah so part of my understanding, so I'm also here at college, I'm an engineering major, so I've got a very science heavy brain and I like to be able to pair different aspects of my life together. And in some aspects, people don't see science and Christianity uh, cohesively working together. But for me, I find them very cohesive and I it's deepened my faith. So in the first verse, I feel like we get three really important bits. So we get in the beginning. Now we have time. God created the heavens, which can also be understood as space, space sky, stars, and the earth, us. We have matter. time, space, and matter, which are the three kind of fundamental things of our universe. It's three, three dimensions A of our universe. And... So even right there from the get-go, and again, like this, Genesis was written like some, you know, 5,500-ish years ago, somewhere in that ballpark. Yep. And even that is an accurate understanding of how we understand the core building blocks of our universe to be today. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it just goes to show not that much really changes over time, like Solomon says. Right. And uh, even in James... Uh, he writes that God does not cast a changing shadow. Like God is consistent. God is constant. And so back then, it's so like the idea of the scientific view of creation is that in like an instant, everything that there ever was or will be was created in that moment. And I like to think that that's consistent and that's constant with like me, with the idea of the understanding of the physical laws that govern our universe of things cannot be created or destroyed where in the beginning God created everything and everything that he created still exists today. Indeed. And another interesting point in verse three, this is the first utterance of the words of God. Let there be light. Now, how I imagine is uh, the scientific view of the beginning of the universe is the Big Bang Theory, which I'm pretty sure most people understood. Giant explosion of light and condensed matter that sparked everything that ever was. Yeah. And the phrase, let there be light, being those the first words of God, is how I would understand like yeah. the universe to respond if there was absolutely nothing, and then boom, let yeah. there be light. Yeah. And I think the problem with scientists 
um, like atheistic scientists or, or like non-theistic scientists is trying to explain it without a creator. Because whenever right. you take a look at the Big Bang Theory, it makes sense for you to be like, well, this guy is the sovereign ruler of all the universe. If you were to mm-hmm. say, let there be light, then boom, there it would be. Right. So I think it, whenever you look at it with a Christian view, it almost like makes it more profound rather than thinking like everything happened by accident. And it makes like the laws make sense like you were like you were talking about. Yeah, and even Stephen Hawking, who's a very revered physicist and scientist, said that either there's a ton of universes or the universe our universe has just started and restarted, or there was a creator. Mm-hmm. Like something created it. But of course, you know, him being an atheist, he leaned towards the idea of multiple universes and all that string theory and stuff. But the idea that something was this like all of this just coming out of nothing, that is the first kind of bad yeah. view of scientific ideology of creation yeah. is something coming from nothing yeah, because matter cannot be created nor destroyed right that's a, that's a, that might be the first law uh it's of thermodynamics i should know this i don't know okay well <laughs> it's one of them i know that right so yeah so that's the first little bit so god utters the first words and there was light and there was dark called it day you called it night and there was one day and now an interesting thing so jordan i know that your understanding is that everything was created in six literal, literal days yeah days now i'm looking at the uh the strong's concordance hebrew hebrew concordance with the hebrew words and definitions and the word that is used for day First off, Hebrew had limited vocab. It also didn't like vowels. And so a lot of stuff had multiple meanings. And so the word that they have, which I may be butchering this, but yom uh, does mean day, but also translated into time, period, year, days, day as in opposed to night. And so it even could be understood as just a time period. Yeah. So then it would be referring to six literal time periods, I guess. Yeah, possibly. Okay. So now uh, looking at few more verses down, uh, when God creates the luminaries, the sun, the moon, and, and the, the stars, stars, that they all produce light. So like verse 14, then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and they shall serve as signs for seasons and for days and years. And they shall serve as lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth. And it was so. And then God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser night to govern the night. He all, he made the stars also, and God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light in the earth given the day and night repeats itself a little bit. It's, it's really interesting how it says he placed them in the expanse of the heavens. Right. Because if God's main like focus was on earth, then to God, earth is the center of the universe. It may not be like the physical. Yeah. The yeah. physical, but to, to God, it yes. was like, it doesn't say anything else about any other planets. So it makes me wonder, like um, scientists talk about how it would take, millions of years for light from stars to get here but if he placed right. it with the intent for people to earth this on, on earth to see it then what would be the point of make taking like millions and millions of years to get there unless of course um 
you know, we're taking our understanding of, of day whenever Moses was writing this completely wrong. And it does mean a super long period of time. Right. And another interesting thing is that before the sun and the moon were created, which also now we both understand and agree that we know that the moon does not produce its own light, no, it but it, light it reflects light. Like if I were to take a white piece of paper and shine a light at it, that white piece of paper is going to be super bright. Yeah. And so we know that the moon does not produce light. It merely reflects light. Mm-hmm. And that also that the sun and the moon, at least according specifically to the specifics of the creation account, the sun and the moon were created later than when we had, there was evening and morning marking the first day, yeah. which kind of offers an interesting, not necessarily contradiction, but yeah. Uh, it's at least interesting that there was evening and morning before there was a moon and a sun yeah. so to cover. You're, you're absolutely right. And I went on I went on thinking about this. And while I was doing my research, I was like, I wonder where else, like in the scripture, it talks about creation in the sense of days. And in Exodus, whenever Moses is on top of Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments are being created, it's, it's Exodus 2011. It says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the this is the commandment about keeping the Sabbath day holy. Right. So if we are right and Moses did write Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, like the Torah, yeah. then his understanding of creation would have been in six literal days. Right. And I was talking I was talking about this in uh, one of my theology classes of so back then and up until like maybe even just a thousand years ago or less, the understanding of the earth was that the earth was the center of the universe, that everything revolved around the earth, that the uh, that the earth was flat, which is also interesting because a lot of flat earth, a lot of people that believe in a flat earth are Christian because there are certain points in scripture that could lead to the idea of a flat earth where uh, I can't remember what exact scripture talks about, but laying the heavens like a canopy over the surface of the earth. Yeah. And there are different instances in scripture where it kind of gives the idea of either a dome or a disc for the earth. But I mean, we understand today that the earth is round and that it rotates around things, which is, which goes against what scripture said. But an interesting idea I had is that what if, what if we didn't have the creation account in the Bible and, or what if God chose somebody today to give the creation account to? And I feel like it would look a lot different. So God inspired Moses and gave him the words to write down of the creation account. But Moses lived, you know, 5,500 years ago and the their understanding of just even how things work was so different like you and i know that there are molecule cells molecules and atoms that make up us and everything they they would have had no idea Mm -hmm. and so what if god took a person today scientist a theist or you know someone that graduated high school yeah and gave them a creation account it might look a lot different and that's just an interesting thought process of people's understanding has evolved about God's creation. And so what if today he gave the creation account to someone, maybe it might say, well, in the beginning I took, I made this thing called an atom and I smashed it with this other thing. 
and then everything existed. Yeah. Like he could, he could have gotten super detailed, but they're not going to understand that. Yeah. And so that could be a reason why kind of points to the idea of a truth story where the purpose of the creation account, which you and I both agree is to explain the truth that God created everything. Yeah. He saw that it was good. And we have, and yeah, we have different views of that. Yeah. The only, the only like the outlier that I see about that is if God gave Moses the account, it wasn't for Moses. God gave Moses the account of creation to tell everybody. Like we're reading right. what Moses wrote down today, right. give or take. Like it's it's, yeah. it's different because of the translations and we don't have like yeah, and Hebrew has connotation yeah. of the words. But I think whenever God – because Moses wasn't there and that's where we get a lot of the validity questions of right. the story. Um, but I think that not only was it inspired by God, but God gave him the answers mm-hmm. of, of the puzzle to write this stuff down. And I think the yeah. difference in the views comes more today than it was back then because he just had faith to believe what he was writing down. Right. And so. And going back, so some things that we have today to understand how old things are, there are different things. So like you explained earlier, like light traveling. So it takes light, you know, a year like light years, we have the understanding of like the Betelgeuse star is like 600 light years away, which means we are looking, when we see that star, we're seeing actually what it looks like, what 600 years ago, according Mm -hmm. to Betelgeuse's time. And that the idea that there are things that are millions and billions of light years away, that their light has traveled, which under the understanding of physical laws being consistent throughout time, that they existed way before and had the time. But like you said, there's also a very valid possibility that God made things with time already in them. Yeah. Which is very valid and or just bypass them because he's right. the god of everything. He's the god of time. Too. Yeah. So we could have just like taken, imagine like a stars a YouTube video <laughs> and said, We need this much time for it to get to Earth. I'm just gonna take that little uh, dial and slide it over right. so it's already here. Yeah. And then those stars get to live out their lives. And so that's another thought that I've had of, well, God could have put things with time already in them, but time is our understanding. Right. And what I like to, at least what I like to feel is that because God is constant and never changing, I like to imagine that the laws that he has made to govern our universe and our world are also constant. Like the earth's gravity isn't you know changing from day to day no, we can not. we can predict what time the sun is going to come up based on how we understand things how fast we're spinning right. how fast we're moving yeah and so and but he could he could have made it to be more sporadic or be more quote unquote magical where things are changing or don't necessarily have reason behind them but i also like to think that he you know one made the entirety of the universe like we like he made earth just this tiny little speck mm-hmm. in this giant, vast universe. And I like to think that he made the giant, vast universe with everything, all the other galaxies, all the other planets yeah. to allow us to understand his creation a little yeah. more. Yeah, the Bible says that mankind is without um, excuse because God shows his sovereignty through his creation. Exactly. And honestly, there are there's still a lot of like scientists in the top top tiers of education and expertise that are still 
like believing in God because when they look around, they see, well, when I look at this, I, there, I mean, there has to be God, like looking at certain things and comparisons. Like when you look at certain mathematical correlations in the universe of things sharing like the same style or same sequence or coincidence, it's just like, God has to exist like he can. Yeah. And well, what's funny is that like, so since science is like the study of, of knowledge of like knowing things is we really don't have that great of a handle on science even now, because a lot of the stuff that is taught in schools, a lot of the stuff that we understand as fact isn't in fact fact. You know, we have the theory of evolution. We have a bunch of different theories as to how stuff does the plate tectonics. We have a bunch of different theories as to how stuff works. The only facts that we have are the laws and math, which really don't change. Right. And I, that's also been something that I've been trying to understand because I, I struggle part because I know, so you are, you have fundamentalist traditional beliefs of scripture and how people and creatures came to being. And because I have, I guess, more of a new age or scientific understanding, I have certain, I I do have certain gaps in my understanding. Like I don't think I fully agree with evolution, but I understand how micro evolution works. Adaptation. Right. Like adaptation of uh, nature's favorable traits coming forth. Like if you like, there's a YouTube series I watched where a guy modeled it and explained how, like, because some people will say that evolution is like, well, did a fish just, you know, crawl onto land and become a man? That's not what the idea of evolution is. But I also think God would have taken more care in that. Like there's a, I went, to a Sunday school class at the Greenville for Methodist Church that was led by a former Greenville University physics professor, Dr. Hugh Siefkin, Okay. where he led a six-week course called Faith, Physics, and the Science of the Universe. And this was like fall semester, first fall semester here. And I, prior to that point, when people asked about, asked me how I felt about science and mixing with Christianity, I just chose not to answer because I wanted to be ignorant towards it. I just said, well, I don't really understand it myself, so I am I just don't want to dive into it. But now I've dived into it a bunch, and this class really opened up a lot of things of the possibility. Again, these are, for both of us, these are interpretations, and this is how we understand. I could be, I could be wrong. Jordan could be wrong. Absolutely. But that, again, we're talking about the frames that are holding up the scripture of truth. Yeah, almost all beliefs are rooted in faith, right. whether it's biblical or not. Right. And even with me and coming to this understanding, when I see things like when I pointed out the luminaries and that like contradiction, that doesn't lessen my faith yeah. at all. And for me, gaining more of this knowledge has drawn me closer. Yeah. To well, God. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a contradiction. I would say right. Moses wrote it down knowing, like I, like I said, like I showed you in Exodus 20, mm-hmm. Moses knew and he understood that it was six days. So for him to be like, well, I know that it was days after this point, then it must have been days before this point because that's the way that God told me to say the message. Right. Because I, I, they say they say scripture is God breathed, but I feel like there was a purpose in him giving him mm-hmm. this story. You know, it was to um, give it to the masses for all time. Like the creation story has been and probably will be until Christ returns. Yeah. So there was a divine purpose in him 
uh, laying it out the way that he does. I think there's a divine purpose of the way we see it now. Right. I don't think God just let it go. Right. And uh, anyway, I went off a little bit, but uh, in this class, one thing that I found very interesting, which I also did not understand, is, you know, we have bones and fossils of, you know, humanoid looking things yeah. and, you know, understanding, well, you know, how do these fit in to the story? And, you know, especially the creation story, because, I mean, these things were more intelligent than monkeys, but less intelligent than us. They walked on two feet. You know, what, it, what, what, <laughs> what's their deal? Yeah. And explain the possibility of, uh, so in Genesis, when we get to when God is creating man, <clears throat> he said that it is said that he, God, he, God, breathed the breath of life into the dust that made Adam. So after he created Adam, he breathed his breath of life yeah. into him, giving him this being. And what Dr. Seifkin thought of that as is the idea of breathing in a soul or like breathing in sentience yeah. into something. Yeah. Something that like, well, so that, well, something that animals didn't necessarily have. Right. Because he also gave man dominion over everything. Right. And so he had this theory and understanding of that there might've been two or a small group of what we are like homo. We are homo sapien sapiens. And there might've been a, the, a small group or a couple like predecessors of homo sapiens where God breathed the breath of life. He gave a soul. This is like, all right, life has now teamed forth to the point of starting like where I'm going to start a relationship, a personal relationship yeah. with them. So I'm going to breathe the breath of life into them so that they may know me. Okay. And so that was an interesting theory regard explaining, you know, how we find different bones and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm not that versed in um, pre-human culture in terms of like evolution right. and how yeah. that stuff happens. But I know I've, I've been told in the past that, a lot of the stuff that we find is pieced together bones of different animals that we're not 1000% sure are human. Now that's right, just something yes. I've heard. It's, it's a, it could be a, a pipe rumor, but right. I've heard that in the past. And that's, that's very possible because I'm pretty sure like if you were, if you took the skull away from like a monkey and us, there's not going to really be a difference. Yeah. And so I know most of it is based on skull structures well, also like look at a hippo skull a hippo skull is terrifying looking you would yeah, never expect I, it to belong to a hippo i know like i remember seeing uh because we think of how scientists reimagine dinosaurs as like yeah. scaly slimy things but really they're probably just like big fat birds yeah well <laughs> it's, it's actually really cool because like the term dinosaur didn't come into into play until like the 50s but the word right. before that for giant reptilian creature was dragon yeah. So, I mean, we could talk for another hour <laughs> about that, but yeah. I think that's kind of cool because there's been, you know, mythology for all time about dragons and night right. dragons and yeah. world serpents and stuff. Yeah. I think it's really, really cool when you think about it. Yeah. And actually a slightly interesting tangent. So in my theology class, like right now we're going through Job and in Job, a lot of people know. God talks about the behemoth and the Leviathan. Yeah. Right. And I heard an interest. I never knew what to really think of that because I thought it was just so oddly placed. You know, when, I, fi I figured they were dinosaurs. Like when, 
for me, it felt weird because, you know, you're talking about, you know, wickedness and theodicy and the idea of justification of good and evil. And then God's just like, well, let me tell you about this behemoth. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay. But I heard a really interesting understanding uh, that was presented by one of the students after doing research of commentaries and whatnot into the specific scripture of the behemoth that the behemoth is a kind of not a, I don't know, a personification of wickedness and everything that we can't control. Because when God is explaining it, it's like all of these physical characteristics that are just so much larger and bigger and stronger than us. Yeah. And God, Job is wanting to like challenge God and, you know, rule over stuff and wanting to be the judge and all that. And God is saying, you know, look at this, look at this thing that exists. You can't, you can't control this. You can't fight this. Yeah. And then uh, when he goes on to talk about the Leviathan, it makes me think of in, I think Amos, uh, I can't remember the exact wording, but something along the lines of, and for three sins and even for a fourth. And so the idea of when God explained the behemoth and the Leviathan saying, even for this, and even this you can't control and only I can control. And that the behemoth and the Leviathan are personifications of things that we can't control that only God can control. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. And there are also uh, aligned with other teachings and like Egyptian cultures of uh, like you were talking about before, like a hippopotamus. Yeah. Like there are other things that personify a hippopotamus as something that we can't control. Honestly, hip- hippos are, they look cute, but they're deadly. Oh yeah. And so I can understand that. Anyway, back to Genesis and the creation account. So the entirety of chapter one goes, ends with verse 31 saying, and God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. And We've now been explaining our understandings of how we've come to view Genesis. Now we're going to take a little look at some other formal understandings. Yeah, so I found this um, website called realfaith.com who gives five different views of creationism. And I think it's really, really interesting. I'll read to the first one and we can sort of talk about them as we go on. So uh, view number one is historic creationism. It talks about the word used for the beginning in Genesis 1-1 is Rashid which marks a starting point for what comes afterwards. It says there's no gap between verses 1 and 2. Rather, verse 1 begins the Genesis story telling us that God who created everything is the same God who creates his image bearers in the promised land where he will live with them. What God created in the first verse existed for an undefined period of time, which could be anywhere from a moment to billions of years. Before God began the work of preparing the uninhabitable land for the habitation of mankind, the preparation of the uncultivated land and the creation of Adam and Eve occurred in six literal 24-hour days of Genesis 1. As echoed in Exodus 20.11, which is what I was talking about earlier, this view leaves open the possibility of an old earth, six literal days of creation, and a young humanity um, on the old earth. It does have the biblical difficulty since it appears that the sun and the moon are created on day four, thre- day four rather than uh, before the story begins. So that is historic creationism, which right. I, I think is really interesting because it kind of leaves the book open. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I, and like I said, before, before I started 
trying to critically think about it, I had I had an understanding that the earth was, you know, six or 10,000 years old. And, you know, what the Bible, like what, taking what scripture said, literally as six 24 hour periods. But yeah. now I have an understanding of, well, it might be as science says 4.6 billion years old, but I still perfectly well understand that I could be wrong. Well, there's evidences for both sides. Right. Yeah. And most of the time the findings that that old people who believe in a really old earth find are in, not only like inconsistent with what the Bible says, but also have evidences to support the other side. Like there's, right. we've had this conversation before. Yeah. Like I ask you questions like, well, if the Great Barrier Reef is 4,200 years old mm-hmm. and it's the Great Barrier Reef, then shouldn't we have a bigger reef somewhere? Like if the right. earth is super old or if the oceans are getting increasingly saltier every year, then shouldn't the ocean be a lot saltier or shouldn't the earth be spinning way slower or back then it would have been spinning way faster to the point where there would have been no life. So an interesting thing about that, because when I would initially said some of those things, I didn't really understand some of them, but I found out that yes, the earth's rotation is slowing, but it slows down about uh, two milliseconds every century, which means that if I were to go 60 million years from now, it's going to be 27 hour days. So yes, it's slowing down, but it's not as much in order to, you know, have like the super fast days uh, explaining how they could live like so long. Okay. So yes, it is slowing, but it's not slowing down that okay. much. Okay. So, so yeah. yeah. Okay. I guess, I guess that's a, that's a good answer. Yeah, so like I said, um, there's evidences for both sides. Like the moon is another one where it's getting like slowly further and further away. Right. And over a super long period of time, it would have been so close. I know there is at like a, a bit of evidence that yeah. the Earth one yeah. time or the moon one time collided with the Earth. Right. But right. Um, yeah, so this this kind of view is called historic creationism. Leaves the book open for kind of however you want to look at it. View number two is young Earth creationism. Right, and that's more kind of what you. It is. Say you fall into? It is, yeah. So in this view, God created the entire universe, including Adam and Eve, in six literal 24-hour days. As it seeks to be faithful to its reading of the biblical text, this view affirms that the entire universe is less than 10,000 years old and interprets the data of science in terms of inspired scripture, refusing to compromise God's teaching about the date and divine methods of creation with naturalistic scientific theories. It does have some biblical difficulties, such as creation of sun and moon on day four, while there's evening and morning on the first three days. And we already kind of yeah, hit that. Yeah, that was something we talked about a little bit. So I guess we can just go ahead and move on to the next one. Right. Uh, view number three is old earth creation or intelligent design with no evolution involved. And I think okay. we should hit on evolution yeah. here probably towards the end of this one. But um, the days of Genesis 1 are analogies of God's work days, setting mm. a pattern uh, for our rhythm of work and rest. They are understood in the same sense as in that day of Isaiah 11, 10, and 11. They represent periods of God's historical supernatural activity in preparing and populating the earth as a place for humans to live, okay. love, work, and worship. These days are broadly consecutive periods of unspecified length. The biblical difficulty is that the days have uh, evenings and mornings, so it would naturally be 24-hour days. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. I haven't really heard of that view as much before really because i was kind of assuming this was the one that you were 
Uh, I'm trying. Under. I'm trying to think of which one I fall under, but I'm not sure if that's the exact one. And there's probably more. This right. this was one that I just liked this one the most. Whenever I wasn't doing my work in science right. class, yeah, <laughs> this is the one that I found I liked the most. So, yeah, I like how it refers to um, like the the term days of Genesis one in Hebrew. I like how it refers to that as analogies of God's work days, like right. in his time. Yeah. You always see those signs. It's like speed limit. Oh, we're yeah. in God's time, right? So, and even then there's there's scripture saying that, you know, to God a day, a thousand years, a thousand years mm-hmm. a day. That's the that's and, day age theory. Right. And so I've, I've definitely, I've heard that understanding that when talking about days, it could be referring to God's version of a day, which could actually be super ex- expansive yeah. amount of time, whether it's a thousand years or millions or billions of years. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely one that I've come to understand more. Okay, and this one seems to be the most profound because it has, like, it's layered out differently. So it says, uh, the literary framework view. In this view, Genesis 1 and 2 are intended to be read as figurative framework, explaining Mm. creation in a topical, non-sequential order. The six days of creation listed in Genesis 1 are also interpreted metaphorically, not as literal 24-hour days. The literal framework viewed is outlined here. Uh, forming and filling day one light and darkness separated day two sky and water separated day three dry land and water separated day um, three plants and trees also day four sun moon and stars day five fish and birds day six animals and man admittedly god speaks of creation creatively by including poetry in the creation account of genesis one and two still even when the bible uses figurative and poetic language does not communicate a literal truth a fact that weakens this view so i have heard um about poetry being used in Genesis 1, and I am not 1,000% convinced of that fact. I would say this one does sound more of how I believe is that it's more of a metaphor, kind of like with Jesus's parables being stories that have things in them. But, you know, like with prodigal son, he didn't personally know some son and some father where this happened, but that the story was used to communicate truth and that the creation didn't necessarily happen in the sequential order as described yeah well i think for that one i think i align a bit more with yeah well i mean but it also begs the question like if moses was writing these down for a purpose like god had a purpose like to give him the knowledge to write this stuff down then what was the purpose then if it was just supposed to be a parable to people who didn't know anything about this like jesus whenever he was like speaking in parables there was a like a point to the message this is supposed to be a a like a historical view like this is the the bed like the the uh, bedrock of the torah which moses was writing he had to start at the beginning to then go off into exodus um leviticus numbers and deuteronomy so i definitely see um where this could be strong but i uh, could also see the other side of it but i've had conversations in the past so and i i i definitely i understand that uh one thing i would say is that yes, God gave it to Moses a certain way because I think of that time period, like, yes, it was written for everyone who is and who will be to come, but for the people of that time period to be able to understand it in some facet could be possible that God gave them this understanding of creation because that's all that they would have the ability to understand in that time period. Like God could have, you know, like I was saying earlier, could have given it and saying like, okay, I want you to write specifically these words, but you're not going to understand them. People thousand years from now, they'll understand it, but right now you're not going to understand it. And so he could have written it in, 
a different way to communicate that. And when it comes to the ideas of parables, like we both we both agree that the 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 moral of this creation account is to explain that God created everything and yeah. he saw that it was good. And, you know, Jesus talks about, I see him do as my father does. And because also in other parts of the Old Testament, I see possibilities for truth stories that we could, it's possible that there also could be parabolic literature in the Old Testament, as well as we have Jesus speaking in parables in the New Testament. Yeah. So it's it's a possibility. It's not, again, not everything is super sound, but of possibility. Course. And then uh, view number five, and I feel like we'll talk the most about this one, is evolutionary creationism. Mm. In this view, God used the planned and purpose-driven natural process of evolution to do his creative work of universe and life. The universe is a creation that is completely dependent for its continued existence on sustaining power of the triune God of the Bible. God's design is shown in this or in the finely tuned physical laws and the biological processes necessary for life to evolve through transitions, which would be impossible without God's involvement, culminating in humans with their incredibly complex brains and minds paired together in full image of God personhood. Humans evolved from pre-human ancestors and over a period of time that image of God and human sin were gradually and mysteriously manifested while embracing the method. We kind of get the point. Yeah. This is kind of, it's kind of uh, just repeating what it said already. And I am personally am not a fan of this one because it begs death before the fall of man. Mm. And that is straight up against what the Bible says. Like death was not a thing in the garden of Eden. Right. Uh, Something. So I also, I've got my notebook here in front of me. I really like to journal and honestly, only ways that I can come to analytical understandings of scripture is by journaling. And so when I was reading this uh, in verses 24 and 25, we get some interesting phrasing of let the earth produce. Mm -hmm. Let the, uh, in 25, God makes all the animals and the phrasing, uh, Uh, for plant life appeared to be the only life that the earth produced. So it doesn't necessarily speak for the animals, but at least for plant life, like let the earth sprout forth with vegetation could at least speak to plant evolution in some facet. Uh, But I, I, I understand parts of it. Like I said, I still don't fully understand evolution and definitely not probably to the way that that final view understands evolution as like a certainty. Yeah. But I do, I understand how evolution works because of that. I'm not sure a hundred percent really how I feel about it. Like I said, I understand how it works and it's not a fish crawling up onto land and, yeah. and becoming a man. But yeah, so I still, I'm not, entirely sure how I feel. And that's something I still continue to look more into because I like to, you know, be educated and try and understand things so that if somebody asks about it, then I can, you know, give somewhat of an educated answer. Yeah. On it. So, um, all in all, like I said, this one is interesting. I, um, I, I, th- I think, I think the part that I disagree with the most in this one, and I'm not just hating, like, but I don't like where it says over um, sometime during the time of human evolution, the mystery of sin, just like um, I got to find it. 
Yeah. God and human sin were gradually and mysteriously manifested. Mm. So it says in the Bible that there was no death before the fall of man. Like right. even like tigers and lions, they were all herbivores. They all ate plants. There was no, they didn't eat meat in the, in the, uh, in the garden. So okay. death was something that happened after the fact. So for right. you to assume that, um, because that the sin is what brought death into the world. So yeah. for you to assume that death happened in the process of evolution long before Adam and this story manifested, then I, I, I just really can't agree. It seems, it seems like it goes against yeah. scripture. Big that's time actually, that's that. actually a really good point. And I could, I could honestly really come to understand that. I would say in slight contrast that referring to death was not in God's original design for sentient men filled with souls, but you know, possibly for animals and plant life that I don't know. But honestly, that is a really good point of death was not originally, at least for men, it was not, he did not want that for us. And then, you know, when the first sin was committed, kicked out of the garden yep. and then there was death and yeah, that's, that's definitely really interesting. So you can believe in evolution, but I don't think you can believe in it hand in hand with creation. And we can right. evolution can be a topic for a different time because I know we both have our um, we've hinted that and we both have our views of that. Right. But um, all these are very very interesting. And like I said, there's strengths and weaknesses for every single one. And there's a reason why this is an ongoing debate even now. Mm -hmm. And if we had more time, that we could uh, delve further into it. And honestly, this is part of what's so important is being able to talk about these different understandings. Like, yes, there are five in that article, but there's people probably with tons of conglomerate understandings of the creation story and how they understand things to happen. And when looking at this for ourselves, there are a couple things that we still have to understand. This is with going on, so with any interpretation of scripture that is not necessarily a literal understanding is maintaining the maintaining integrity the with right with the main point like yeah. i had talked about earlier with like the frame holding up scripture is like you and i hold the bible as the center picture of as the center picture but the frame that we see holding it up we see slightly differently but and so as we both understand different frames both of these frames they're not obstructing the picture of truth. And that's why it's so important to talk about this and have these conversations of different understandings. Because like I said, I could be wrong. You could be wrong. We both of could course. be wrong. It could be a conglomerate understanding. But we both understand what really the scripture yeah. is trying to say. Because when it comes down to, you know, when we're getting to heaven, you know, God's not necessarily going to care whether we think that it was, you know, 24 hours yeah. or a thousand years. He's like, do you know, do you understand that I made everything? Mm -hmm. Like that's a question he's really yeah. going to be asking. Which is why, like at the beginning I mentioned that I believe the Bible for what it says, because I have a sneaky feeling that whenever you look <laughs> at the Bible in a hundred million different ways that you have the, um, you run the risk of looking at the Bible for what it isn't. Right. And so that's a, bla a black, a yeah. black and white view tends to be safer than a black, white and gray view. Cause the gray view is, um, and obviously like I have gray views about other parts of the Bible, right, but yeah. in this one, I take a black and white view because I feel like the gray view has a chance of, of, um, like really running off the rails. That is, that is definitely always 
a risk of getting lost in the gray yeah. of certain things. And that's something that as I examine scripture and other aspects is that I'm always, you know, drawing back to, okay, so what do I really understand the scripture to be saying? Does my understanding can, can, is this a firm foundation? Yeah. And that's how we should look at everything. And because there are certain things, you know, because yes, you can like black and white is, is a safe way to look at it. The Bible doesn't cover every single thing or concept to understand. And so some things we have to go deeper, like what we've been doing here Mm -hmm. and deepening our understanding. Maybe we find out that really it is really black or it is really white. Sometimes we may find it may be a little bit gray yeah. because the Bible doesn't explain every scenario that ever was or ever will be. And so we do have to, you know, ask God for wisdom yeah. and understanding. And yeah, but that's the beautiful thing about having this kind of conversation and being able to disagree on certain bits, but one still agree on the truth and still be able to have, you know, just normal friendly conversation with each other. For sure, for sure. And whenever you look at the Bible as your firm foundation, as you mentioned, it gets really aggravating whenever people read through the scripture and they start to like pull things out that really weren't there and like like yeah. poke cracks in your foundation. Yeah. Because whenever I look at the Bible for what it says, or I look at the Bible and I have compelling proof of this or compelling proof of that, and that's what you build your life on because it's supposed to be like our firm foundation. We're supposed to build right. our life on the Word. This is the sword of the Spirit. This is what we use to protect ourselves, right? right. So if people are poking holes or, or saying there's a crack in your foundation here and there, the whole house starts to wobble. Yeah. So that's why whenever I look at this, I could say I have absolutely no problem with believing before um, God's like they, they started the mention of days that mm-hmm. there could have been a huge gap between let there be light and whenever God started. Right. I really truthfully don't have a problem with with the different views of the word day in the Hebrew belief. Mm-hmm. But from what I've found, I know there's compelling evidence on both sides. Right. Yeah. But from what I've found, I think that um, – it's not necessarily safer, but I think I like it more looking at this from a more black and white point of view because I really don't have to think that much about it. I think, well, if the if the world got created in six literal days, then the world got created in six literal days, and I can think that way. And though there may be compelling evidence against me and compelling evidence for me, I think that I am safe believing that. And like you said, when we get to heaven, does it does it matter what really happened or that it happened? Exactly. Well, this has been really fun. Yes, sir. Uh, so for all of you listening, I hope that this has been enjoyable. Now, we'll have other episodes of other styles. This was more kind of a, a debate episode where we have different views on a topic an agree- in Scripture. An agreeable debate. Yes, yeah, an agreeable debate on topic in Scripture. Now, other episodes, we are hoping to at some points have guests, uh, sometimes from speakers on local Greenville University campus. Uh, talk about other topics that may have varying viewpoints, how we today, you know, as two college age guys, how we grow in our faith in our day-to-day lives. We also have some times where we, you know, ask you guys what you want to hear about. For other news, we record episodes every Thursday and we are also on Instagram at Theo underscore thoughts dot podcast. If you want to get regular updates and we have our podcasts on Spotify and Apple podcasts right now, we'll likely uh, get onto other platforms, but Instagram is the best way to get up to date information. 
So anyway, this has been the first episode of Theo Thoughts. I'm Judson Page. I'm Jordan Peter now. And we will talk to you guys next week. Yes, sir. God bless. God bless.